0: Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers. This is episode seven of Need More Buffs, and it is an exciting one. The show notes for this episode can be found at DeliveryCrab.com slash 007. That's DeliveryCrab.com slash 007. Today's episode is part one of two featuring a husband and wife team that go by Bova and Mandy. Bova was actually our champion on Sunday at PAX Unplugged, Well Mandy managed to get, I believe, top eight as well. So the first episode this week is going to focus on Bova and his experiences But then next week's episode will focus on Mandy and her experiences. So I hope you enjoy. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. And today, just like last week, we have more PAX Unplugged winners, or at least (laughs) competition entrants. In any case, they did better than I did in the competition, so I want to talk to them. First up, um, we have a player that goes by the name of Bova, but we also have his wife, Mandy. And I wanted to have them both on this episode because it sounds like they work well together. And I think that's part of the reason they made it as far as they did. So give me a warm welcome for Bova and Mandy. How are you guys doing?
1: Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us on.
0: Doing awesome. it's good to hear so um this episode for anybody out there pull we'll pull back the curtain a little bit we're recording two episodes at once but this first episode we're going to focus mainly on bova and his deck and so if bova if, if you could give me a brief background as to what kind of card games or tcgs you've played in the past sure
1: um i mean i played Pokemon. I've played, um, you know, little Yu Gi Oh, little Star Wars Destiny, um, but mainly my background is in uh, Magic the Gathering. Sure. Uh, I started playing Magic about five years ago or so, um, and that's the first first card game I played competitively. Um, and I would just, you know, try to build the best deck possible, and I uh, try to learn as much as I could about the rules and you know uh, the the right builds and things like that. Um, after magic, we had, uh, we had a couple kids, so <laughs> we didn't really have uh, that much time for going out to events and things like that. So I got into Hearthstone, uh, and then played a lot of Hearthstone, uh, because it was easy to pick up on my phone or tablet, sure. uh, you know, trying to put a baby to sleep <laughs> in a game <laughs> or two. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I played that quite a bit as well. Um, so that, those are the main, uh, card games as far as my, my background in competitive, uh, TCGs would be. So how long would
0: you say you've actually been playing TCGs?
1: Um, well, I mean, back with the Pokemon game, <laughs> that was, you know, what, 20 years ago or something. Sure. Um, but, you know, competitively, probably, like, six years.
0: Okay, okay. That's, I mean, a lot longer than I have, so it's something to say. Um. So then the, the big question is, I, I always love to hear, like, usually... Magic is as far as we get. you. Yeah, I think you're the first person to mention Hearthstone that I've had on the podcast. But how did you actually find out about Lightseekers? What what brought you into this realm?
1: So um, I didn't know about Lightseekers at all. <laughs> and we, uh, we went to PAX Unplugged because we've been to a few PAX Easts. And we love the board game part. So when Mm -hmm. we found out there was a PAX dedicated to just the board games and card games, uh, we said, well, that sounds like a good plan. Uh, It was right near us. Uh, Pennsylvania isn't too far from New York. So uh, hop, skip, and a jump, and we uh, we went out there um, to check out all the games. We ran into the Lightseekers booth, um, and they said, hey, sit down. Let's do a demo. So we did. We played against each other. Uh, I picked up Astral, and you played... Dread. Dread. Man, you played Dread. And
2: then I didn't pick Dread up again the rest of the weekend.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, we played. We liked it. Uh, So we entered a couple of the tournaments for the starter intro pack tournaments. Sure. uh, Which were awesome, where you you get an intro pack, and then you play a couple games. Um, And then we enjoyed that. Uh, Then we did the beta test for the booster draft. Uh, We played a lot of limited magic. That's how we got started actually was in um, playing drafts for Magic the Gathering, so mm-hmm. that was really cool as well. Um, and then we you know we decided, hey, we like the game we, there's a tournament tomorrow. Um, we entered in one more of the uh, the intro packs and then we just kind of threw some decks together uh, for the Saturday tournament um, uh, and then obviously we, we did pretty well there so we decided that we would uh, take the winnings of the the packs and everything. Uh, I think we won two and a half boxes between the two of us, and we just cracked open all the cards. We're up until like three o'clock in the morning building decks uh for sunday
0: <laughs> that that is amazing the just the fact that it's i mean obviously a smaller pl- player pool at this point, but the fact that you can in less than a weekend build a winning deck is 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 pretty impressive, I think
1: thank you. appreciate that. She's so, the brain, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the brawn.
0: Whatever works for you. So the de- the deck that we're discussing here today, I believe, is the deck from Sunday, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Saturday deck was, we didn't have a ton of cards to work with, so uh, mm-hmm. Sunday was a more refined deck, I would say.
0: So so just to clarify, on Saturday, I believe you took second? Correct, yep. And on Sunday, you you ended up taking first? Yep. Okay. So why don't you just briefly give me a rundown of the cards in your deck, and then we'll break it down and see what you can tell us, what we can learn from you.
1: Sure. Um, So we'll start out, I guess, with the hero. Um, Cassini is the hero. Uh, She's astral, obviously. She has superior lunar, um, and she can discard a card to deal three damage. Um, And then for our combos, we have planetary alignment, Stellar Fusion, Gravity Bubble, Anti Gravity Field, and Black Hole. And then for our attack cards, we have three Light Lasher, two Anti Gravity Snail, three Pathfinder, three Astral Priest, two Dimensional Hunter, one Chimchu Infiltrator, one Mirror Beast. And then for our buffs, we have one Flying Fortress. Three Sunhugger, two Spectral Guide, and two Maidship, and then for our defense, we have two Sun Beacon, two Yakona Tactician, three Shapeshifters, and that's the deck.
0: Wonderful. So my first question is going to be: since you had such a limited amount of cards to work with. Is Cassini? Have, have, I, I, did you get a chance that weekend to like look at the app and see all the cards that were out there?
1: Yeah, I, I was able to um, to bring up the the wiki, the card wiki, which okay. is an amazing resource. Obviously, yeah,
0: yeah, I forgot um, they had that by that weekend already.
1: Yeah. So they, they had mentioned it to us and I probably annoyed them a lot with all the <laughs> questions. I'm sure they love answering the questions, but I, I'm very analytical. So I asked them a million questions when we were at the booth there about, yeah. you know, what they thought was strong and there's different, you know, uh, just all the rulings and everything. But, um, but yeah.
0: So my, my, my question then is y- you chose Cassini but with mm-hmm. such a, a limited amount of cards to choose from, what, was there another hero out, another astral hero out there that you would have rather used, or do you think she was the perfect fit for this deck?
1: I actually had access to all of them. Okay. Um, at, at that time, so she was the one I chose. Okay. Um, the main reason, one, like the, if you look at the deck, a lot of the cards care about what's in your discard pile. Absolutely. Um, that's, you know, that's what Astral does. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to being able to do three damage with a situational card, like, for example, a Pathfinder, like you come up against someone that doesn't really play any buffs. So you're able to discard that for three damage. Um, and also you can finish off someone that, you know, let's say they have an emergency system. The emergency system triggers on an attack and heals them for seven. Um, I was able to play around that with using buffs and also using the ability to Um, To discard and do three damage without triggering that emergency system and giving them that healing so I I feel like with the addition of the damage you know working around those situations and also the fact that you can put whatever card you want on top of your graveyard um, it was the most versatile hero Um, the superior lunar wasn't optimal but the ability I felt just won me situations where I wouldn't have otherwise Cause the ability it wasn't used a lot, but when it was, it was crucial.
0: Definitely that. And you bring up a good point about getting around like something like emergency system. I, I, I didn't realize it till you mentioned it, but that ability, even though it does damage is just listed as an ability and not an attack ability, which is a, a, a very important differentiation for, for something like that. And I, I, for some reason, I guess I had always assumed that any any ability that would do damage like that would be considered an attack ability, but it's just definitely not listed that way.
1: Yeah, so, and and that's a, definitely a big advantage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, taking a look at your combos, I, I it always interests me to see where w- which direction people go with their combos, and yours are probably spread out pretty evenly. Like, they don't really lean in one direction, as far as I can tell. There's a lot of damage in there, but you also have, like, the buffs that don't do any damage by themselves, and then you have almost everything I think is kind of dual-purpose, besides, like, planetary alignment. Because you have your black hole that does damage and removes buffs and that type of thing. So, it, it, what kind of did you have a strategy in choosing the buffs that you did, or the combos you did? I should say.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, like, um, like for example, gravity bubble. I didn't really cast gravity bubble that many times because it accelerates your opponent's buffs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time, they'll have a maniacal machine or something <laughs> that'll, you know, Just do six damage you. to you yeah. when you play your combo, which is isn't always the best. Um, but the nice thing about my combos is they're very good at paying for each other. So when you have three, um, all three elements covered, um, they can pay for each other pretty easily. Uh, then you have anti-grav field, which is gravity and gravity and lunar. And black hole also is double gravity. So you're able to use that to pay with just one extra solar you can black hole. Um, And then I also went for the strongest combos. Um, So I felt like Planetary Alignment, just 12 damage, that was very strong. Um, It's a common card, but that's a rare card in some of the other um, orders. So (laughs) uh, 12 damage seemed pretty good. Uh, Stellar Fusion actually won me a couple games. Um, (laughs) It's insane when you combine that with having something solar on top of your graveyard. uh, Your discard pile, I'm sorry. Uh, And then you take... Uh, you know a light lasher and you rewind a sun hugger and do you know tons of damage in one turn um it would do you could do like 28 damage in one turn with that if you played it correctly so um that was i felt very strong and could win me games that i couldn't win otherwise uh, which i think is important um and then obviously for black hole um i didn't have that on my first list and i came up (laughs) against the triano uh, deck yeah with um you know, all the pollen weavers and fun things like that. So, uh, black hole definitely won me some games that second day that I wouldn't have won without black hole, uh, wiping out all your opponent's buffs and keeping your buffs is a very strong effect.
0: Definitely. I, something you mentioned along the lines of payment there is you, you, you do have many more of the expensive combos out there too. Like I don't know if I've seen a deck that uses two four cost combos like most people I know shy away from them because they're so hard to play. But the way you do it with, like you said, making combos pay for combos, it it makes more sense to have all of the expensive ones out there.
1: Right. The other the other thing, too, is with some of my cards Like if you look at Shapeshifter, Mm -hmm. um, it's very good to have multiple elements with that card because if you flip (laughs) one of your combos, um, you know, if I I flip the uh, black hole with the Shapeshifter, I'm drawing a black hole, first of all, which is amazing. And then I'm also doing five damage, getting five healing. So that's basically like playing an extra combo if you draw a combo with it. Um, So it's very strong with that. Also, a lot of the cards I chose... um, were either draw a card or get an extra attack mm-hmm. or an extra action, um, which you can use to draw a card. So I was doing a lot of cycling through my deck so I could find the cards I needed to cast those combos efficiently.
0: Yeah. You've mentioned a few times already that the, the Astral deck really relies on what element is on top of your deck or your discard yeah. pile.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I that's honestly one of the reasons I've kind of shied away from it. Like I've tried playing astral and I'm just not good at keeping track of what's on top of my discard pile and making sure it's what I need. And so I've kind of shied away from it since then coming into this fresh on, you know, less than 24 hours into this tournament. Was that, hard for you to grasp that and, and figure out which order things needed to be played. Cause the, there's one card that, you know, kind of bypasses that, the, the reality twister. Right. And you don't even have that in your deck.
1: No. And I did have access to the reality twister. Um, mm-hmm. the reason we, I didn't play it is because when you're playing a card, um, you have to figure you're drawing that card yeah. and then you're also using action to play that card. Sure and you figure every action's worth about three damage. Mm-hmm. Um, the On top of my discard pile, for playing a card just to maybe make it something that it's not already um, just seemed like I was going to waste time and effort trying to get that done. Um, yeah. You're better off instead just playing one card of a different order um, or a different element that you don't have a lot of to be able to just kind of fix that a little better um, the thing with astral that I think is super important is you have to know what's on top of your discard but you also have to plan ahead like multiple turns exactly so yeah so like I'm not gonna play a card um like I'm not gonna play an astral priest for three damage most of the time unless you're gonna die that turn um or or I feel like next turn I can you know have lethal damage by playing that three damage for the most part, what you want to do is you know if you can't do anything that's the optimal of the card, if you can't get the boost on it from your discard, it's better to just draw cards um you know you just want to draw cards and then and then have a turn where you're casting two or three because of a lot of the additional actions mm-hmm. cards that are benefiting from that, and that's where you get the most value out of the astral cards
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I How did you handle a card like uh let's see sun beacon? I believe where you're just milling a card and and dealing damage and healing, right?
1: Yeah, so as far as Do I mean you- I would have played 3 if I had 3. <laughs> <laughs> um that card like yes you can discard something important. Um but I also have the infiltrator which can get something back if it's really important. Sure. Um, I did, you know, Mila uh, combo once or twice with it. But when you're getting a nine point life swing, you're doing, you know, four damage and five healing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's insane. D- did so that, did, that- did
0: that ever affect the the what element was on top of your discard pile?
1: Oh, sure. But it's one of those things where it was worth it. Yeah, and it's helpful sometimes. Like, if there's something, like, there's uh, solar there and I don't have a sun hugger, that's pretty much the only thing that cares if there's solar. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you do is you just play that then, and then you're getting a different element. Yes, it's random, um, but you're getting a different element, plus you're getting a nine-point life swing, which is almost like playing a combo anyway. So sure. um, that card is is phenomenal as far as value. I would agree.
0: When building the deck then, knowing that... Elements almost play a more important role in this deck than in, in in any other order. I think Um just because they they interact so much. Other than paying for combos, like th- that's usually what people consider is like I have these combos, so I'm going to build build it towards these cards. But when you're one, you want for different reasons to have different cards on top of your discard pile. Did you? try to even out the elements in your deck kind of 30, 30, 30, or did you, like, like you said, this sun Sunhogger is the only one that really cares about solar. So did you leave less solar in there or how'd you go about
1: that? Sure. What I did is I just picked the cards that I felt were the strongest. Um, like I said, they, they give you the best value. They're either doing like six damage, which is um, really good, mm-hmm. or they're drawing you a card getting you an additional action, things like that, um, because I felt like that was more important. So you, probably, um, I,
0: you built it for card effects and then made the elements work for you in the end?
1: Yeah, because if you look at the the combinations, the, the one thing that was sh- kind of tough in playing it was I don't have a lot of Lunar cards. Um okay. And a lot of the cards care about Lunar. Um, so you have like <laughs> and, Pathfinder. And, Astro and like
0: Prince you're and saying, Cassini is superior in Lunar.
1: Yes. So that's why I said it's not really optimal having that superior element. I, a lot of times I would be like, well, I really wish I had superior gravity because mm-hmm. playing two gravity cards this term would be awesome. But um, I, like I said, limited time and and just kind of. I'm just gonna pick the cards that are the best, you know. As long as I'm playing them with the correct thing on top of my discard, they're gonna give me really good value. Um, so that's basically the the angle I took while building it. Like I said, ended up with less lunar than was optimal, but that also maximizes the shapeshifter sure. because the shapeshifter, the chances of it doing nothing, the only thing that makes it do nothing is lunar, and the chances of you getting a lunar card is a lot lower when you only have six. So, um, most of the time it was either doing damage, uh, healing or doing both. So that was very helpful.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I know you mentioned already once that, uh, sun beacon, if you had three of them, you would have played three. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are there any other cards in this deck that you like you wanted more of, or you, you didn't find any of that you really want to include in this deck that you, you feel can make it better?
1: Um, I only had one Infiltrator. I probably would have put a second one in there just for those like dread matchups where I really need more Pathfinders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that would have been helpful. Um, Mirror Beast I think is good as a one-of because, it, get, it for those of you who don't know, if you have gravity on top of your discard pile, you get it back. So you're just getting three damage, and then you just keep it in your hand. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, basically... It, um,
0: it's almost just like an ability.
1: Right. It's like three damage without losing a card. You're just mm-hmm. using an action, which is right on curve for what you want to do. You want about three damage per action. Um, and it's good to just have that in your hand. So if you just want to do three damage, you can just do three damage. But if you have two of them, then you you have a card that does three damage and another card that also does three damage that you can't play in the same turn. So. Sure. I felt like having two in your hand was bad, so um we went with one uh, but yeah, other than that, I had access to all the other cards I believe that I would have played um you know I, I definitely have some I have a new version of this that uh, I've tweaked a little bit um, so I'll be uh releasing some that probably in the future when i when I feel like it's tuned a little bit better, but sure,
0: and okay, Mandy, I want to bring you into this discussion a little bit too. Is it fair to say that? over the course of the PAX weekend that you kind of helped playtest this deck a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, we before we even did um, either of the tournaments on Saturday or Sunday, we playtested probably, I don't know, five or six games at a minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, I was playing a tech deck, which is pretty... uh,
1: pretty Sub-optimal. hard countered
2: <laughs> against astral um so in almost every single playtest that we played um he destroyed me um and i felt like the way that my tech deck was running um if i was able to get him down to like eight it was really good because <laughs> my deck ran really well against pretty much everything except astral okay um, so i mean we play tested a lot and then after um, I think once or twice during the course of the weekend, we actually flip-flopped decks. Um, so I was able to play his deck um, and he played mine just to make sure that like things were running okay because he's got a much more analytical mind than I do. Sure. I'm much more impulsive and um, I, I don't analyze everything the way that he does. Um, so it the, the biggest thing that I noticed um, when playing with his deck um, and also kind of playing against it um, it's a completely different mindset focusing on what's in your graveyard. And once you get that mindset um, and once you have it and you're solid with it, you can do really well. Um, since we've left Pax Unplugged, I've played his versions of his of his deck now probably, I don't know, 15, 20 times.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and now that I've got a really good grasp on it, I've actually like taken him a couple times and, and beaten him which uh, is a pretty big feat for me. I'm <laughs> pretty awesome. good at card games, but yeah. like he's really good. <laughs> and I, I, maybe I'm biased.
0: Yeah, I'm married maybe a little bit. But
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Hey, it, I mean, when, when he comes out first and second in two consecutive tournaments, it it, it, it shows something too. So
1: we're also very strong at two headed giant. Uh, there's a magic format where it's, you're two players on the same team. We are, mm-hmm. uh, Pretty much undefeated uh, in that because we complement each other really well. She sees things that I don't. I see things that she doesn't. Um, and then together we uh, we can, you know, usually win.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the big reasons why when we were play testing that we did do the flip flop because like there were a couple of times. Um, that I noticed things that he hadn't noticed and, and he noticed things that I hadn't noticed. So we were able to tweak the decks and get them as optimized as possible before going into the tournaments.
1: Yeah. And with the limited time, I mean, it's, it, it's good to play against your deck if you can. Um, Cause then you can kind of figure out what you need to do to beat it. And then if you know how to beat your deck, then you can counter that. Uh, so, you know, that's going to keep evolving as the, the meta um, evolves for this game. Uh, like you said, it's very fresh right now. Yes. Um, which was one of the things that enticed us to get into it. Is <laughs> we felt like, well, I'm not going to have the best deck. You know, I'm just going to put something together that I feel is as strong as I possibly can, and then just see what happens. You know, there's not really any downside. So let's just have some fun and and see if we can meet new people and and have fun playing a game. So.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It, it, it was a great weekend, I, I, I think, so I'm glad you yep. enjoyed it as well. It was awesome. Um, I guess any, any any last comments for someone, I, th- there's going to be someone out there who tries to replicate this deck, so any last comments about how to play it or what to watch out for or any other little hints, tips, or tricks you want to give them?
1: Yeah, we, we actually had a couple of people that decided to play Astral after day one, and um, I think one of the things I was noticing is when you play a card, you have, like I said earlier, um, you have to make sure you're planning turns ahead. So if you have a couple cards that you can string together. Um, like a tactician, which gives you an extra action, then you have Lunar in there, so then you can play the Dimensional Hunter, which then gives you an extra action, and then you play something that benefits on gravity, that's a very strong turn, um, and you can do some really good things with it. Um, A lot of times people will just play a card, draw a card, and that gets you into some trouble because you're not always getting the maximum value. Um, And the way that Astral is set up is the card is tuned low, If you don't get the benefit, so it's not the average card. Um, And then if you get the benefit, it's usually above average. Um, So doing six damage, for example, with an Astral Priest, um, six damage with no drawback whatsoever. Um, For example, in tech with Looper, you're giving your opponent a card, which Mm -hmm. is an entire action. You're also um, having to discard a combo with uh, Fumbling Alchemist, for example. So being able to get six damage with no drawback is very strong. So you just need to make sure that you're building your hand to the point where you can just string a few cards together. And if you don't see something, unless you can kill them that turn with the lower value on the card, um, or you need to put it into your discard to get value from your next cards, um, you only want to do that like a couple times a game, if at all, if you can avoid it. Um, And that's the biggest trick I found to playing uh, Astral effectively.
0: That's great advice. I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. So if people want to get in contact with you to discuss light seekers or whatever else they may come up with, uh, what, what's the best place to get in contact with you?
1: So, um, I'm at, uh, Bova the seeker on Twitter. Um, and then Mandy is
2: seeker life saber. So L I F E S A B R E.
1: Um, and then also, uh, we are starting a YouTube channel, um, and we're going to start uploading some deck techs, uh, box openings, um, toy openings, things like that. Um, talk about some light seekers, uh, and that is going to be uh, Superior Seekers on Twitter as well, at Superior Seekers, and then also uh, on YouTube.
2: Okay. And we're also um, we're relatively active in the OLL, which I think you've covered a couple
0: times. <laughs> it's true. Um,
2: I've joined a lot of Facebook groups, um, so, I mean, if you post something about uh, light Seekers, you might more than likely find one of us um, on
0: for the forum somewhere. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you both for being on, and I'm sure I will be talking to you soon. Thanks, ben. Definitely. Thanks. A big thank you once again to both Bova and Mandy for joining me on this episode. I hope you'll join us next week as well as we continue with part two, where we discuss Mandy's tech deck. It's going to be worth it. If you like what you've been hearing here, please do me a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the podcast. It's going to be a huge way to help other people find this podcast. And it's going to be another way that you can help light seekers grow. And that's what we're here to do. I'd love to stick around and talk some more, but I got some deliveries to make. So we'll see you next week.